EDC Unlocked. The founder of Wesson, Billy Chester, shares his journey before Wesson. Have you ever had a normal job? I have actually never really worked a traditional job, except a three-day job at Subway, which didn't uh, really last long, and it proved to me I never want to work a normal job. <laughs> the reason behind his brand's success. First and foremost is start with a good product, and then second thing is build a strong community. I owe my success to that, that journey, literally like the product was developed with the community. And we nerd out on the details of your questions. I mean, now I'm nerding out, dude. I'm like, so what's the hardness of each? You know, what's the compound level of the weight? <laughs> hey guys, we came up with the idea for EDC Unlocked because we felt there wasn't anything out there that gave the EDC community the opportunity to hear the stories behind big names and brands in the space, whilst also giving them the chance to ask the questions that they've always wanted to ask. For now, this is a limited mini series, but if you guys want more, then we would love to come back with another series. And so if you do genuinely like the show, then please follow, subscribe. And if you're feeling extra generous, leave us a short review. This 20 seconds of your time really makes such a huge difference and we'd really appreciate it. Okay, let's get into the episode. Enjoy. Welcome to EDC Unlocked, and today I'm happy and excited to have on the show Billy Chester, the founder of Wesson. How are you doing, man? Dude, Phil, I'm doing great, man. It's bright and early here in Stockholm, Sweden. I'm ready to roll. Yeah, but we've actually been talking for, I think, just over over a year now, and you really helped us understand Kickstarter and how the hell we can try and attempt doing that and you were really helpful with our whole campaign there but we've just you know Ian and I constantly talk about your approach to your community your design uh the fact that you get everything in-house and you cultivate everything in-house and yeah you guys have kind of always been a bit of a inspiration to us in terms of what we're doing and you're always super helpful to us whenever we reach out and ask for ask for help so uh yeah we couldn't have done a podcast without you so really happy to have you on Oh man. No, dude, Phil, seriously, I really appreciate it. Like we watched you guys come into the EDC space and literally just like plow through. It's been amazing. So likewise, like you guys built massive community in such a short time and provided such a beautiful product. Like I'm sitting staring at two of your products in our office right now. And honestly, I think EDC world is better with you guys. So I'm happy to be on the podcast and I hope I can contribute at least this much. So <laughs> awesome, awesome, cool. So, what I would like to do is just understand like the story behind Wesson and then kind of how you got to where you're at to today. And yeah, just get taken through that story. But then we've got some questions from our audience, um, some quite funny as always. So, yeah, if you could take me back before you started the brand, like what were you doing before then? Did you have like, have you ever had a normal, a normal job? How did you get to <laughs> kind of starting Wesson as a brand? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I've always been a bit of a creative and an entrepreneur. Like, I mean, gosh, going back to like 12 years old. Like I have actually never really worked a traditional job except a, uh, a three-day job at Subway, which didn't uh, really last long. And it proved to me I never want to work a normal job ever again. Um, <laughs> so uh, that kind of put me on like the entrepreneurial journey. And um, what kind of brought me to Wesson, it was, it was kind of unique. Um, I was working in corporate America at the time as a, uh, a lead creative director. Like I was a basically a combo lead creative and marketing director internally for like this recruitment agency. And to be honest, it was, it was pretty much like hell. Um, and I did it as a transitional job from another organization I was working with. 
and it paid really well. I was able to work from home for four days a week and I didn't really have to report to anyone. So I literally took it as a way to build something. And building something was, was ultimately the goal simply to provide a much more flexible lifestyle for me and my family. Me and my wife just had our first kid and we, my wife's from Sweden and at the time we were living in Detroit and we wanted to be able to travel a little bit more. We wanted to be able to split time between countries and, you know, maybe even potentially move. And at the time I was pretty locked down to, to my current career location. So I started to dream into like what it would look like to start a business. And it was sort of, the journey was funny. Um, I have a history of being an entrepreneur, but it's always been service focused, like me being like a content creator or, you know, I'm a film director as well. So like I had a history of doing like, you know, commercial production and everything was really reliant on me. Um, if it's, you know, web graphics, like all this stuff, like basically anything within the marketing content realm. And I wanted to do something that was a little bit bigger than myself. So I stumbled upon product and to be honest, like the word EDC literally meant nothing to me. If we jump back to like 2016, like I yeah. hate to say it, but it, yeah. I did not come from this world. Um, I was not, you know, the collector of knives. It, this was not like, you know, most of the guys I meet today are just like, oh, I wish I could do what you're doing. And I'm like, dude, I didn't even know what this stuff was before I was doing it. So um, it was really like an entrepreneur's journey. And I started off by just kind of researching like, you know, product segments. I mean, gosh, I was looking into selling chicken eggs. Like that's how crazy it was. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like. It, it was like a very wide range of like what could come of, uh, of me as a business owner. And long story short, I landed on the outdoor segment, uh, bushcraft to be specific, because it was what I was doing currently as like uh, an escape from my day job. Mm. And also like just having a son, I wanted something that I could see him getting into as well, something that would get him closer to nature. And bushcraft was like my, my go-to hobby. And I found myself kind of looking amongst like product segments within that. And it led me to actually starting a retail website, which this is the story that most people don't know about Weston because this ain't what we tell, like this ain't on our website, but this is mm. the, this is the truth. So that's why you got to listen to the podcast. Yeah, no, we're getting, the, the, real we're getting real, the real story. I like it. Yeah. The deep, dark story. Um, so basically I was working this, this job, which allowed a lot of flexibility. I had a farm up in Northern Michigan and my wife was home with my son. And so I was home building this bushcraft e-commerce site. So I did a, I did a research and, and basically nobody was doing it right. Like all the sites were like scary bad. Like they looked like 1990s, like, you know, freaking Amazon. Like it was really rough. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I have a really strong design skill, like great photographer. I could really, you know, carve out a niche in this. So I decided to, to launch an e-commerce site that was focused on the bushcraft segment, but a very premium approach to it. So it'd be like Huckberry of Bushcraft. And I did it. Like I built out an entire website. I think we had like, I had like 300 products that were all based on like either affiliate or drop shipping and got all the products, did all the product imagery. Everything was working really well. And it was called wessongoods.com. And I reached out to one account and wanted to bring them on as a wholesale account. And it was, uh, it was called Hikers Brew. And I asked them, I was like, hey, I would love to bring your product onto our website, check it out, you know, here's our pitch, all this. And he replies to me and he's like, dude, I think what you're doing is amazing. He's like, you built a beautiful website, everything about it's super awesome. But if you jump back in my life three years ago, I did the exact same thing. He's like, I was into hiking, I was into this segment, I thought it was awesome, and I seen a, a niche in the market to create a hiking gear website, and he did it. He's like, beautiful site and everything, I started it. And he's like, dude, 
it was literally like an uphill battle. I was selling other people's gear. My margins were cut in half, no creativity. I felt drained. Like as soon as you launch the site, like all that building is gone. Like, you know, that's how he really felt. And he's like, so I'll tell you what, you want to do something right. He's like, you have a really strong design skill. You understand product. He's like, why don't you just make a product? And I was like, really? So I jumped on a call with him and he kind of walked me through like, you know, the pros and cons. And I was like, you know what, dude, you're right. So this was January of 2017. And I was like, kind of distraught by the email, but at the same time inspired because I just spent like the last six months of my life building out this website and good Lord, it was like, I was like literally like holding my finger over launch. And then he tells me this and I kind of like weigh the, you know, weigh the, the benefits and, and, you know, the downsides of it and realize, oh, you know what? He's right. He's right. You know, I got I to build something bigger than, you know, someone else's product offering. So that led me down the spiral of looking at my product offering and seeing like, which one am I most passionate about? Like, wh- like what, which of all of these 300 products excite me? And that was the moment I landed on a pocket knife. And it was sort of funny. It didn't really fall under our product segment as much because we were doing bushcraft and bushcraft and pocket knives. It's more fixed blade, more like, you know, kind of working tools. But I realized that like in my everyday life, I don't use a fixed blade knife. I use a pocket knife Hmm. and the pocket knife I currently used wasn't even catering to me as a customer. Like I've always been more of a, you know, most of my life was either spent on the field as a filmmaker or in the office. So I had a very like, you know, in between life, very professional, but also very adventurous and all the pocket knives out there were a bit too bulky, a bit too tactile. You know, I'm also been a, a product junkie, love Apple, love Bose, like really like design centric. Mm-hmm. And no pocket knives were really following in that category. A lot of other products were though, backpacks, like, you know, wallets, all these things, but pocket knives just weren't hitting it. So I literally dived in and made the decision that pocket knives are what I was going to do. So I, yeah, I just went gung ho, like as I did with my last project and any project past in my life I went crazy and became pretty obsessed with the process and um, I had a slight history in Kickstarter I'm a part owner in a game development studio that I launched in 2013 with my brother-in-law and we launched one of our first games in Kickstarter back then and had great success and I've always been obsessed with doing physical product on Kickstarter so when I decided to do this that was like I had no other choice I was like you know what this is my chance to do it right do a Kickstarter So just to kind of, you know, quicken things up a bit, I did some market research. I landed on this idea of making a very compact, but, but very like wide, wide range of functions pocket knife, which ended up being, um, what we call today is, is is the microblade, Mm. this little guy, um, which has transformed my entire life. And I, you know, spent about six months bringing that product to life, working with several different factories, samples, good Lord, it has been hell, but you know how it is. Literally, I have like, I have a picture of probably 150 samples on my desk in my farmhouse up in Northern Michigan, where I'm literally just like looking through each one, iterationally changing like slightest details just to make this like the perfect knife. And then all of a sudden I would send it out to somebody for feedback and boom, just like change everything. And yeah, it was kind of a very adventurous journey, very fun and very like new to me. Everything was new, but I landed on a product and in August of 2017, really dived into marketing. And that's when we kind of got a bit plugged into the community. And a lot of dudes listening to this today might remember early days of me posting in a Facebook group saying, hey, guys, check this out. Let me know what you think. And Reddit and some, you know, some other forums like that. And just really trying to get the community's feedback to develop a product that people want. And I owe, I owe my success to that journey. Literally, like the product was de- developed with the community. And 
we landed on materials that I had no idea even existed because of what the community wanted. You know, it was quite a like a give and, a give and take kind of journey for development process. And then these same people were the ones that came through in, in our early stage marketing, joining email lists, joining Facebook groups, things like that, and really helped us build an early community. And then we launched in Kickstarter on October 25th. And by the end of it, we raised $225,000 and Wesson was officially a brand and we delivered 3,000 knives the next six months. And wow. from there, it's been all uphill. No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. See, I didn't realize like, yeah, Ian and I, we did an episode ourselves and we were like almost a little bit embarrassed to admit that, you know, our background isn't in like knives or EDC and therefore we don't, you know, we almost felt like we were faking it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't actually know that. I didn't know that, that you had, this had started out as an entrepreneurial venture and then you'd fallen in love with the EDC community and kind of that's what's happened with us, which is, yeah, I, that, that that makes me love you even more, man. That you, uh, <laughs> yeah, I realize we have, we do have such a similar journey because like, yeah. you know, we've, we product market fit, but also with the obsessive personality, you know, you, you dive deep. I mean, now I'm nerding out, dude. I'm like, so what's the hardness of each, you know, what's the compound levels of the weight we need to, we need to remove, you know, like material. It's like, it's been banter over here. You know, it's like getting deep. Yeah. You mentioned, um, like, you said we, and I like the fact that you, you know, you talk about we, cause I know you've got like a really close knit team and you, you do everything in house, but at the beginning, was it just you? Like, was it just you doing it, uh, spearheading it? Did you have like any sort of co-founder or are you on your own? Yeah. So from the very beginning, yeah, it, it literally has always been me. And then my wife kind of like just solidifying things in the background to make me confident. But I tried like in the beginning, like literally getting anybody and everybody I could get on board, but it just as funny as it is, it was bad timing for anyone I asked. And, you know, I, I could say they probably have some regrets right now. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not like I built the next Amazon, but it's definitely something worth being proud of. But sure. no, it's it. I would say luckily it always has been me because I was able to carry a strong vision forward without having to have like any controversial opinions or, you know, things holding us back. But yeah, from day one, it was literally me, you know, testing every product. I, I drew the first knife. I designed CAD files. I, you know, tested out screw tension, you know, everything down to building our website, to making our logo, to making our first video. I mean, literally everything down. To, the only thing I've never done in Wesson is write copy. And the reason why I've never written copy is because I have I have a pretty strong case of dyslexia and it literally just takes me like three years to write like one line. So I've hired that out early. But yeah, everything, everything. Cool. And and so are you one of those weird types that is able to like do all of the CEO operations, uh, operator kind of types, and then you've also just got charge of this massive vision and be creative. Are you telling me you just did, you're just able to do everything? I mean, I'm not going to like say that I, I don't have weaknesses, but like, yeah. yeah, I'm involved. I mean, if you want to talk about just like, let's say yesterday, I mean, the morning started off with like, I don't know, working through my emails and then jumping into like a product, you know, planning meeting from product planning to do like a wholesale strategy and then jumping into building out an email campaign for, you know, our Father's Day campaign to literally shooting content in the basement with my team. And then from jumping to that upstairs, we then started talking about like some very exciting things that we have coming out. And then I jumped on the phone with our factory because it was a holiday, like 
and then jumped on the phone with them and started working on like some product iterations. And then I actually started designing our newest, finishing some design aspects of our newest product. So wow. that's like very, it's very in the details. And then also I ran payroll. So <laughs> you run payroll, really? I run so payroll. You do, you do all of, oh my God. I don't do all our financing. I do, I just do our payroll. And then I, I only do, I pay contractors and I run payroll. I like doing it because like, I kind of like, I build the company in a way where everybody feels like an owner and I want to make sure I can control that. And I like to award our employees, not like, I don't like traditional bonuses. So I like to kind of keep control of that so that I'm able to like award everybody according to our successes on. So I run payroll simply so I don't have to communicate that every single time. And it become like something I need to explain of why this person might be getting this. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. How do you like, or is it a tough, how do you balance achieving what you want to achieve in your business when it sounds like you're doing everything which blows my mind and then you know life so your family like everything you want to do kind of you know looking after your health like is it is that a difficult balance to strike or is it something you're you're always trying to work out you know from like an average perspective like my wife as an example thinks i'm crazy um (laughs) like if i tell you my daily schedule i feel like someone like yourself who's very high level would be like oh that's very normal but i wake up at 5 45 yeah and i'll either i have like a running like a running or or a gym schedule and so i wake up in the morning boom right to my bathroom i already have all my clothes set up i get ready i go to the gym or i'll go on a 5k run and then like I'm ready for my day, come back to the house. And after I get back to the house, boom, it's, it's time for my kids. You know, I'll make my kids breakfast, sit down on the couch with my son, watch some YouTube, you know, maybe we'll talk about what he has to do for the day. And then I walk my kid to school. My son, my wife takes my daughter, you know, I kiss them goodbye. I go to the office and right when I get in the office, usually it's pretty chill. Like, you know, I'll get in Ethan, you know, Ethan, he's our, our marketing director. He'll get in and like, we could literally start a meeting off playing darts like that's how it could be. Or we have like, we have a Wii, uh, Wii switch in the office and we'll do Mario Kart Mondays and it's literally like Mario Kart, but talking about like our next biggest marketing campaign. Like, so what that blend is, is really trying to create lifestyle within the office. So, you know, on Tuesday, for instance, my wife owns a pottery studio and she has like advanced classes Tuesday nights with her members and I have the kids. So I came by the office with the kids and we were, you know, like playing around with some of our newer products and like, Ethan was there and, and Thomas, and we were just talking about stuff. So it's really like the work-life balance is blended. Mm. But then um, I really do prioritize like my life experiences. So as you do yourself, you know, you live in a, in a beautiful place. And yeah. I live, I moved the company to Stockholm, Sweden, because then we can be closer to family, but also to the things I love most, which is history and nature. So like I'm able to be like, you know, some of the most beautiful nature and architecture is right outside my office. So like being close to what you love also makes it easy to be a bit obsessive and high level. So like, yeah, I have a, I'm not like a schedule guy. Like my, my day doesn't look like from this time to this time, but I very much so am blocked and I do hit my to do's. So if yeah. that gives you perspective. No, no. I mean, I think the one thing we miss out, so we're a completely remote company and uh, kind of was forced through that with, we talked about getting an office just before COVID. And then when COVID hit, it was like, okay, that's just not going to happen. So we never really get to spend time together. And that's the one thing about, yeah, I think it's great having this flexible remote culture, but the thought of just being able to just go and, yeah, just play play some kind of game whilst you're chatting about 
strategy uh having a coffee sounds like almost sounds like a luxury at, at this oh, stage dude. i'm super jealous you get to do that no it, it is too like historically wesson like i said remember it was me in the beginning so like it was a very lonely journey so i kind of always aspired for that as well like it would be very similar to you minus the fact that you did even had a founder to talk to so now like yeah i'm extremely spoiled like every day like i'll have like you know yesterday i had four people in the office that like was all working on marketing strategy. Like, you know, one was shooting content video for, you know, our organic social media outlets. Another person was working on the SEO and, you know, Ethan was working on some like long-term strategies, like all creative stuff, just like going around. And it's all around, like, you know, like I said, like us playing darts or something like that. But before it was me sitting in a bedroom office, you know, just plugging away at numbers. But in those days, I grew Wesson really slow in the early days. So like seeing you guys and your trajectory, like, really shows like how hard work and focus can really give you like a very fast vertical. In the early days for me, Wesson was all about like creating freedom. So like the first, the first summer after launching Wesson in 2018, we went to Thailand for four, no, six weeks. And then we were in Sweden for two months. And then we went down to Mexico and then California and like we were traveling like as much as I could while still balancing the company remote. Yeah. Now it's a little bit different. My kids are in school. Um, now it's like makes sense to kind of be grounded here and having an office and all that. So it's, it's a bit of like season two, even though it does come with its upsides. Like it, I kind of feel like I'm just hanging out with my best friends all day. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, totally. I, I think we, what we, we've given everything and it kind of consumes us in a way. And I think our partners will tell us like, no, if we could, we'd probably work on the business like every day, but we do really allow each other the balance that we feel is needed to get our like ahead in the game. Um, I was listening to a podcast actually just before we started recording this and there was this guy and he's trying to aim to build, trying to build his business to be a nine figure business. And he's like works 12 hours a day, seven days a week. And I'm just like, I'm obsessed, but I don't think I, if I do that, I'm going to, my brain would explode. I'd just burn out. So it's just, for me, it's, it affords you that balance that kind of makes life fun, right? Oh, for sure. I, I think that's, honestly, I think that's sort of the, the beauty of entrepreneurship is it, it is the freedoms you get with it. Like I'm not a big money is the goal kind of guy. Like I've always been like lifestyle first and freedom. Mm. And so like a hundred percent agree with you, man. Like, like your lifestyle says it yourself. Like you live in, you live in Bali. Like, yeah. I mean, come on. Like, you're not like if you were like, if business was your focus, yeah, you would be sitting right in the office. Like yeah. it would be literally, you know, you and Ian would be just like grinding away with 30 other people, but you do like, I could see that suntan you prioritize. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, yeah. Ian's still in London. So maybe he shouldn't watch this cause he might try and try. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, London has its benefits, you know, it's a, uh, yeah it's a little it's, cloudy <laughs> uh, I, I, it's good in your 20s i think when you get in your 30s and you've lived there for a while it kind of starts to suck your soul a little bit so mm. yeah uh i think he feels that a little bit as well but uh anyway well in terms of if someone's listening to this right now and they're like they're like wow i kind of want what you know what you've done like i want to turn my passion into and i know that's not exactly what you did but it's almost like become your passion but like if yeah. they have a passion right now if they're into edc and they've got you know they want to make it their career somehow what would be your advice to them 
Yeah, I mean, I've literally had this conversation probably a thousand times in the last five years. And it would really be the same conversation I'd have with anybody desiring to get into business in general is really understand that like it isn't a nine to five. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you expect to come in and, you know, put in your hours, get done and go home, like it doesn't work like that. Like we're talking about freedom and all that, but it's really because at two o'clock in the morning, like we're willing to get up and, you know, cancel that email that sent out on the wrong date and then figure it out or jump on a phone with your factory and those kinds of things. And so like the first thing you need to accept is that like, yeah, it's not going to be like a nine to five easy life. The second thing is make sure that you really find something that you are passionate about, or at least can become passionate about. Like I'm passionate about business. Like I really am. Like I got calculators all over my computer for growth strategy. Like I love like, Oh, you know, like I have an organic growth strategy. That's like, if we can get this many views, it equals seven figures, boom down to this money dollars. Like, I love that stuff. So like being obsessed with the details is also like a strong strength. Um, But really is, is being a builder and being like willing to make mistakes and discover like how to do something. So let's break it down a little bit more practical. Like let's say you wanted to start like a, you know, a pocket knife company really is like first and foremost is start with a good product. And then second thing is build a strong community. So like if you can find yourself being somebody that can make a good product, and then build a strong community, then yeah, you should consider the fact of, of going into this. But if you see those both being like strong weaknesses for you, then you probably should find a partner that can really help solidify those things. And like, you know, bring somebody on, like maybe you have a friend that's like really good at community building, or he's you know, always been, you know, school clubs and all this, stuff. like somebody actually understands like what it is to build culture around something. Because that's what business is. Business is simply getting a product and getting eyes on it. And then that converting. And it's like across all, all realms. It doesn't matter what it is. You know that. So like if you want to get into this segment and, and it, it support your lifestyle, it's really those two things. Everything else can really fall into place. Like, you know, I, I did things a little unique. I have a warehouse in Detroit. I have a warehouse in Stockholm. I have teams that run my fulfillment for both of those. I, I like to be hands-on because it allows me to be, actually, it allows me to control our community and our experience. But there's so many tools out there today. Get a Shopify account, hire a web developer, get some guy taking pictures for you. Like all of those things aren't limitations. That's just like, again, a part of community building. I mean, you guys know it. You guys literally nailed it. I don't think you've ever taken a picture in your life, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Don't know maybe you have. But. You want to see <laughs> yeah. Uh, People are like, how does he do it? His photos are top notch. I'm like, community building no i I think we've been really lucky like well i think there's always just like an element of luck and realizing an opportunity is like right in front of you i think we've just been really lucky that we it was exactly the same as you and i'm kind of touching upon our story here a little bit but like we needed to find a section of like a, a niche to go into that was underserved that was kind of there were people in there kind of making money despite themselves almost. And we just saw this watch box, uh, watch organizer category. And we were just like, there's so, there are so many tired and old designs that probably haven't been updated since the nineties here. Like there's, there's a need for something here. And so we created the design, took us ages to get it to market. And then when we finally did, we realized the type of person that bought this product. And in addition to like your typical watch collectors, there was this EDC crowd that, yeah, we were like, I remember a month after I launched it, sorry, I launched it, we launched it. I sat down with Ian and I was like, this this EDC thing is like, 
it's like we just couldn't have expected that it could be this big and also that it could be it's kind of full of like really talented creative people but they're all like really good people and really like understanding people and so it was just i, I don't know about you but it feels, it's like the perfect storm really of like oh, having that kind of community you, you, you see it right it's like 100 I, I feel like some you could probably get some communities that are like, I guess, really highly strung, not very understanding, very demanding. I would say it's the opposite with the EDC community, like from, from our experience. Would, would you say is your experience? No, yeah, I would say so. I mean, like it's uh, EDC community, they're really, they're product heavy people. Like they, they're obsessed with the details. And as long as you can solidify that and you can, you know, deliver a product that that's obsessed with the details and yeah, you're going to win with them. But also they're extremely like the community has been extremely forgiving. Yes. I think like they've, if you've been in EDC over the last 10 years, you built the community. Like you were a part of it becoming what it is today. And that means that like you have to be forgiving because it was growing. So like you guys are the first, I, I swear in my life, I never in my wildest dreams would ever have thought I could just buy off the shelf knife case display and that would be sitting in my office that I spent, you know, months and, and thousands of dollars curating. And they're just there, they're pieces because like before you guys, nobody was doing that. So that's what I mean. It's like the EDC world was being born amongst us. Yeah. So like you couldn't complain about Home and Hatfield's knife case because there was nobody else doing it. Yeah. So it's a forgiving community and inviting community. So yeah. like, and like you said, it's, I think in truth, it's really attracted creatives too, because like, how do you, you know, how do you make this exciting? You know, you have to be creative to do that. And that's like, you know, the photo behind me right here, like this is, that's a photo taken by like, you know, one of our friends and he just like took this photo. We didn't hire this photo to be done, didn't commission it. He just took it. And it's a beautiful, you know, example of our products, but it's also a piece of art. And that's like what this community is. And also being that's physical goods, they're able to like embody it in that way. So I think it really just like attracted the right segment of people. And like when I started Justin 17, like I said, we had like everydaycarry.com and that was like kind of, you know, that was really like the peak of it being not like just a, you know, like a dad's brand. Like it was like, it kind of started becoming cool and like becoming like how those like techie unboxing concepts were. And then you got guys like Peter McKinnon, which just like exploded it into, you know, EDC and the photography world kind of like, boom, merged into like one so we've been very blessed, like with, yeah. with a Ford creativity being like one of the foundational, uh, you know, stones of this community. hundred percent. And so I'd love, I really want to get into the, the questions that we've yes, had. Yes. I'm a little bit selfish here just cause I, I could talk to you about business and everything all day, but um, just yeah, everyone's like, oh. what happened to the knives? <laughs> what, weren't we supposed to talk about gear? And we're like, no, the numbers. I should really do the questions at the beginning of the show, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I, <laughs> That's the way I want to do it. You I want to drop get them in. First. Worst case scenario, the podcast is a, a flop, but I get to have really cool conversations uh, uh, uh. myself. Um, Dude, that's, that's the best. Yeah. Just cut them in. Just like, just go in later, just drop the questions in like the beginning and then just like go for it. <laughs> exactly. Um, just before we do that, what I would like to know is like, what's your, I think you, you said at the beginning and correct me if I'm wrong, your vision for the business was really just to build something but really serve your lifestyle and which it has done so that's you know box ticked and now you've taken things to a whole new level like with where you're at at the moment what's your vision for the next however five five years is a long time let's say like two you know two to three years 
Yeah. Um, I used to think five years was a long time, but I started this five years ago. It feels like <laughs> yesterday. Uh, but for people like you that started like three weeks ago and already like took over the market. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> no, no, no. Do, do you know, sorry, just to get it, because I was speaking to my, my girlfriend yesterday. She started a business and she was like really down in the dumps yesterday about everything not going right. And she'd been going for three months. And I told her that we, <laughs> I, I told her that we had the idea for Home and Hadfield. We agreed we'd start. Well, we agreed we'd start a business, and then two years later we launched the watch deck. So, oh us, wow, yeah, it took us two years. We we tried other things. We tried other products. We tried, you know. Turning our hands at different things, and that's—I was going to say to you when you were talking earlier. Like, I think what, you, what we had to get really good at is delayed gratification. And I don't know whether you're like the same. Like, you have to get real good at like knowing that the you know good things are coming, and you just have to be a little bit patient. So, although there was we sped up from 2020 when we realized this is a thing, we've like gone all in. It took us two years to get to that point. So, just just wow. in case you thought we were kind of like overnight. You know, I think from from how fast you hit the market, that's that's what it was. But it was all of that. It was all that background work that that yeah. proved that. So, yeah. like, no, you're right. And I think you you had a great point here, actually. And this would be this would be a strong point. I would actually like to add to somebody wanting to start. It's is the idea of finishing. Yes. So, like, if you're going to start, if you're like, you know what, like, I want to start a knife company. I want to start a pocket knife company or EDC or keychains or. Like, I mean, really, to be honest with you, like help us expand the product offerings in the segment. Like there's a lot of knives. So like, think about it, like you guys, like do something different. Like really give us some cool notebooks. I don't know. Or give us like some cool leather uh, tool rolls. I don't care. Just do something different. But if you do it, finish, start and finish as in like go to market, like launch the website, get the products in hand, sell two of them. Once you sell one, you've proven your method. That means that somebody wants it, as long as it's not your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister. Never rely on family. I don't care who you are. Don't launch a Kickstarter campaign expecting 16 of your family members to back first. <laughs> my dad has never backed any of my Kickstarter campaigns, <laughs> and he loves me. He owns all our knives. He carries them every day, but his brain does not go to that point. So with that being said, you're right, the finish. That's genius. And also, like you said, delayed gratification. That's a big one. But yeah, 100% agree with you. Hey, Phil here, co-founder of Home and Hadfield. Just interrupting the episode to let you know about something truly special to us. Community is a huge part of everything we do. And so we've created a Facebook group where we share our newest ideas and get feedback from you, our customers, to make sure we're developing products that you actually want to see. In return, we give away free products regularly. We're probably giving away a free product right now and huge discounts of up to 35% on all product launches. Whilst this began as something fairly simple, it's grown into an amazing community of like-minded people. And so if this sounds like something you could be interested in, I've left the link to the group below in the description. So come join us. It's free and you never know, you might enjoy yourself. Okay, back to what you came here for, the episode. And I completely interrupted you on your, your vision. I'm making this a home and had fun. Oh, the five-year so thing. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five years. I think it's, I think it's healthy always. To, you, you can't run a business without that. Like, so yeah, we have one at Weston. Actually, it's pretty bold, like what we have currently. And I'll kind of like reveal some details of it because like, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't want to uh, screw it. I'll just say whatever. I'll just say it all. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah. So basically internally we have like Weston has been growing like pretty significantly within the direct consumer world. Like we've seen like good strides forward. And I have like over the next 24 months, I want to see like 
some massive growth from us going from being more of like a segmented brand to I actually really, I say this every day in our office is like, I really want to become like the every man's knife. Like our ultimate goal is that if you've never even owned a knife, we want to be your first knife. And we want to teach you and educate you on what a knife actually is. Like, mm. honestly, like Swiss Army Knife makes some amazing knives, but for that to be your first like product segment experience, like to me, that's not enough. Like it's, you know, most of those people are experiencing, you know, like a 999, you know, gas station, you know, knife that's made out of plastic and has a little flimsy blade. Like I want to start proving the fact of like what Yeti did with tumblers and coolers is that like you can experience product at a whole new level and it literally could be the first tumbler you've ever bought and it's the best tumbler you'll ever need. So that's like where we're headed. We're really, you know, we've kind of embodied the idea of being an outdoor brand is like accidentally because I started with this bushcraft thing, but truthfully we're not, we're an indoor knife brand. That's the the funny part about it is like we're, we're your office dudes, you know, micro pocket knife that he carries with them every single day because it's, that's what we are. So ultimately over the next two, two to five years, we would love to see, you know, selling, you know, 2 million micro blades across the country. And we have a growth strategy to get to, I think it's like, we want to get to 10 to 15 million in revenue in the next 24 months. And like for us, like that, that's a good chunk. I have a team of seven people, like, you know, we manage our fulfillment, you know, we're not on Amazon, we're not doing big wholesale yet, like direct consumers are strength. So we want to, we don't want to take from the current market. Like we don't, we want to add to it. And the beautiful part is I hope those people go on to learn more about EDC. And I hope my most favorite thing I ever see is when you see a keychain like this that says the James brand on it. And you have a little, you know, you have a little over here, like big idea design, uh, you know, like little bottle opener and then hanging there is a microblade on it. Like, I love this combination of like, you don't need to just buy like, you know, the Wesson bottle, you know, the Wesson MT, the Wesson QR and, and the Henry. And like, I love seeing crossover of segments of our brand and the fact that maybe we introduced these people to this world. So yeah. that's, that's like what it looks like for five years is just really being the first brand to kind of like create a new, a new culture around pocket knives beyond what's already been done love it uh yeah the fact that you're looking to get to those kind of numbers on d2c without facebook ad, you can't run facebook ads can you because of the nope no nope. and it's been yeah i mean yeah in, in a way though it's it's forced you to just get really good at the stuff that you know if you can just use facebook ads then you just throw a load of money at that right and don't get good at the other stuff and you've just had to get yeah. good at you know, you've gone all in on community and kind of everything else. So yeah, you got to be creative. Like we're forced to, you know, and like you can kind of follow in the footsteps of like some beautiful thing is when you look at like consumer brands, like uh, a good example would be um, liquid death is really awesome because they're very heavy in their wholesale side. Like you can't even buy liquid death from their website. Like you can't buy the drink, but the thing about them is liquid death is focused so heavily on organic because they can't run Facebook ads in the same way either. Like they, they can run them for the merch and their collaborations, but they can't for their specific products because mm. you have to buy them from a gas station or Amazon or stuff like that. So like they've really leaned into building culture. And that's something that Wesson does is like we, we prioritize culture. And honestly, I think I don't know what the brand would be like if we could run Facebook ads. Like I, I've always been very cultural heavy and I feel like, you know, we've, <laughs> we've also always been like, you know, this firsthand, but the idea of balancing cash flow. Like as a business owner, I won't even start this conversation with anybody wanting to start a business yet, but balancing cash flow and inventory, like that's like literally the biggest headache to any company growing beyond like 
crossing like that million dollar threshold, like that'll be your daily conversation. It's like managing your, your cash and your inventory. So for us, we've literally been this brand that's like always out of stock. Like we're famous for literally like microbytes. Go to my website. You want one? You can't have one. Like good <laughs> luck. Like it's just not there. And I have been fighting that. It's not because we, we haven't been ordering like, oh, let's take, I'll take a thousand microblades again. No, it's, it's been boom, 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 you know? Yeah. And we couldn't have, like having Facebook wouldn't have made it easier for us either because we've managed to grow on an organic realm consistently. And so, yeah, you're right. It has been like different, but I think it's been our strength and we own our audience and we take pride in that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, right, we'll, we'll jump into the questions. Uh, yes, yes, yes. And so I think I know this answer, but fixed blades versus folders. I think I know what your preference is, but, but yeah. why? Uh, I mean, I would say fold. I'm just a, like, I'm a firm believer in and it's a tool. It's a tool that should support you in your everyday life. Like I think fixed blades are cool. Like obviously we, we have one. Our, our newest knife is a, a fixed blade. I'll, I'll grab it real quick just to just to show. Yeah. It's sitting in my home and half field case over here. <laughs> oh, nice. All my knives, I mean, it's the best way to do knives in the office. Uh, but yeah, so like we we have a fixed blade, and this is our newest knife. It's not on the market yet. Um, this one doesn't even have our. Oh yeah, it does. There it is, logo. Um, but this, uh, for me, like I couldn't just I couldn't see myself carrying this every day. Like I developed this really just to be more of like you know an outdoor specific product. But yeah, I'm gonna say it. Folders. It's just practical, and that's the brand I want to be. So yeah, practical. makes sense. And <laughs> someone's asked, is it pronounced with a V or W? Do you, do you get that ever? Do any, <laughs> anyone ever say that? You know, I was just about to say, it, it really depends on it. Like it, it's either if you're European, it's Vesson. If you're from, you know, North America, it's Wesson. Um, okay. Like we get it. I swear on my life. Like I have two business partners here in Sweden. That they're, they're part of the EU branch of Wesson and they say Vesson every day. They're Swedes. So they're like, yes, we will grow Vessin together. I'm like, (laughs) I I like it. I like it. Uh, I might start pronouncing it like that. (laughs) Um, I mean, you're European, so you're allowed to. Exactly. Well, I don't think people from the UK can be considered European. Uh, not anymore, at least. No, 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 <laughs> not even that. We're just not classy enough. We've never been classy enough to be European. That's for sure. Um, do you plan on making more knives in, let's call it Sweden? Yeah, um, we're we're working on that right now. Like, it was. Let's just say it was really difficult to do the way we did it. Like, we didn't we didn't just like you know buy a bunch of machinery and start a factory. We we had to like really invest in somebody and help like like scale that that process and uh, we didn't realize how many hiccups there would be in that process uh, making a fixed blade like we did it with the bornis now and making a fixed blade is a much easier process than a folding knife like just because like you know consistency of thickness like the, how straight your blades are like with you know with a fixed blade it's like a folding knife is so many more mechanics to consider so for us like it's th- definitely something i want to do but my vision is more so to get more knives in people's hands than you know, shrinking back the production process and taking it to, to Sweden. But we have some opportunities. Um, you know, we might acquire some, uh, some ventures that are doing stuff that could support that. So it's definitely not off the table, but I will say it's been a uphill battle to solidify it. Awesome. Um, could they do the micro blade, but with copper titanium scales with a cleaver D2 blade? <laughs> That cleaver blade, man, it haunts me at night. It, it's a request we get so much. Um, you know, I think we like if we found the right person to do a collab with, like 
the cleaver blade could happen and now doing it with like copper scales like yeah okay cool that's happening like we already have it in our pipeline but it's with the normal blade but doing a cleaver like yeah hey if you have big influence with an edc world you're listening to this podcast and you think it'd be cool to do it together with us like hit us up let's do a we'll do a run we'll do you know we'll do 250 500 pieces it'll be fun um it's just for me like i said like we're we have like volume visions so like i, I want to create a product that that is everyone wants like we're not a custom house we want to sell 2 million of these so that I don't want to start to get in a place where, you know, somebody sees a cleaver one, but it's like, cause it really changes the whole aesthetics of the product when you change the blade. Like it's a new yeah. thing. Yeah. So like, we're really, yeah, we're really focusing on, on really making one, like our few products we have the known at the most we can. So that's why we don't like jump around with that stuff all the time. It's also very smart. Uh, business decision and mental health decision <laughs> yeah. Having, yeah, people don't get it yeah. it's, that's literally designing an entire new knife for 250 yeah. units it's like yeah yeah uh yeah that's why you know because you guys do like the some of the limited drop collabs and they seem you know they seem great from a branding point of view community point of view you get to actually collaborate with other brands we've you know we've discussed maybe doing something i'd love to do it it just feels like and I've talked about it on a different podcast, but like taking your eye off, like what is the main thing, which is difficult. How do you balance, and I'm jumping in and asking my own question here, but like, how do you balance like that want to do a collab, but then also just wanting to, yeah, keep the main thing, the main thing and, and create something that's yeah going to produce 2 million units. Yeah. I think like it's really, we, we believe collabs are a big part of our marketing strategies. Like it helps expand our, our product offering and our customer basis and also allows us to work with like really cool people and do things like differently. So like we just recently did a collab with um, Real Fun Wow, which is an artist that like I've been a big fan of and I love his work over the years. And so is Ethan. And so like, what was that? That was us wanting to do something unique with an existing product, but then like expanding on our product offerings just through that collab. Like, so we did a pin, we did a bandana, custom sticker, custom box, custom experience, limited run. I think we did three, no, 650 units. And then we took our existing product, which is the Henry. And then we did something custom with it, a custom scale. So in truth, like the, the amount of customization on there, like I didn't, I had nothing to do with that process. Like he designed it. Like we worked with good friends, um, I can't remember their names off the top of my head, but worked with some good friends that helped us with uh, making the custom scales. And then boom, it was a very, it was from like off the shelf product, very easy in that way. It'd be very similar to like, here's one right here we did with another brand called Pioneer. Mm -hmm. And really this is, this is just a micro button in a different color with the texture. So like these kind of things are fairly easy. Although I will say, you might not realize it, but it still takes us 12 months to go to market with these. Like it still is like from concept like discussion, like as in today, me and you decided to do a collab, mm. it could literally look like idea and then delivery. So we have our goal is six a year. Um, but I will say like 2024, the, the brands we're talking to, you know, like you would know them, you'd probably have a product sitting in your house right now of them. Like that's with the amount of work you put into them. That's really where our, we want our energy to go is like, mm. you know, we want it to be with brands that are household names now so that we can then stand on their shoulders Instead of it just being for fun. So we have three different types of collabs. We have, you know, brand collabs, we have artist collabs, and then we have what we call micro collabs um, and has nothing to do with microblade, but they're just like small, like maybe we just changed the color or we did a lanyard bead difference or we engraved their logo on something like very small, simple. But I think it's necessary to do that because it's just like, 
like a, it's a part of community. You need to give back to them. You need to allow the collectors to collect. You got to do some cool stuff. So, mm. and plus it's fun. Like, even though yeah. it might be work, it's still like, I love the fact that like, I have like 13 microblades up there in like wild colors, but it is not, a, it's not a part of our, like our growth strategy. That's more so part of our brand building strategy. Yeah. We, we, it's something we need to, yeah. Something we need we to kind of get it. right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so where do you see EDC lifestyle in five years, 10 years or 25 years? <laughs> I see, I see EDC, EDC has been on a beautiful trajectory over the last five years. Like let's look at like outdoor. We've seen outdoor segment was, you know, it went from literally being like you had to be you know, a granola bar eating, living in the woods hiker like Alex Honnold was in his startup's career to be wearing Patagonia. But now like my dad wears Patagonia as he's like going to the golf course. You know what I mean? It's like that kind of shift. My dad does not golf and he doesn't wear Patagonia. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> my dad's like a farmer. Um, he wears Carhartt. Uh, but yeah, so you get my, my point. Yeah, yeah, um, so we've seen this beautiful shift where outdoor lifestyle became fashion and it became a, a part of ED, like your everyday. And it's actually down to a point where there's a term called GORP, which is like high fashion outdoor, like where you have people wearing, you know, like North Face and Gucci mixed. Like I actually, I, I see, I mean, I can say we'll pioneer that really is like, I see Wesson really being one of the the forefront leaders in taking like, instead of just you seeing like a Supreme pocket knife collab, like we're working on shifting EDC to becoming like, dude, nobody cares about a carabiner right now. Like nobody cares, like in the, in the big perspective of things, like you could literally be wearing like a $20,000, you know, pair of shoes and be carrying like a piece of aluminum carabiner for your keys. Or maybe you're carrying like a Supreme carabiner for your keys. That's like crappy or whatever. We want to shift that segment. We want to make like, you care about the brand that made that carabiner because like in the same way you buy shoes, like you're not just going to buy like a pair of shoes from like, I don't know, like a brand that doesn't make shoes. Like that's super expensive just because you're going to buy expensive shoes from that brand that makes shoes because that's like the concept of it. And yeah. we're trying to identify with that. So I think like, yeah, in the next, at least the next five years, we can really see EDC becoming a very household term, like something that is like in the same way that we've seen, um, you know, shoes become in the last like, you know, 20 years, we would like to see the same thing. Like I would love to see like pocket knives are something that people identify with. Um. I go from a very broad question to a very specific product yeah. question. Are there any plans to make a three inch plus frame lock knife without a flipper tab? Wait, are they, who, who's, who's in my playbook? What the, what the heck? No, no. <laughs> yeah, no, See, we have a Ethan's question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ethan's literally like, Billy, it's your chance to drop it. It's we're, we're, we snuck that in there on purpose. No, we have um, our next knife. Our next uh, knife in the line is, yeah, it's, it's actually going to be basically what you just described. We're going to play on, um, you know, different opening mechanisms, different lock. It's, I take it back. Technically, it isn't a frame lock, so that's a lie, but it is playing on a different opening mechanics, and it does have a longer blade. You, you know, like, I've always, I kind of always committed that I wanted the Allman to be our biggest knife, you know. We made a fixed blade smaller than it. That's crazy. Um, I wanted the Allman to be our biggest knife because I just felt that that's who we were as a brand. Uh, but I realized that, like, is the Allman the knife that, like, is that is that the knife for me? And I realized that I think we have some room to improve on. So instead of going with an Allman 2.0, I designed an entirely new knife that will be bringing to our, our product offering 
I think it'll be early 2024. It'll be like our next knife launch. But we're slowing down a little bit on product expansion because, like I said, we want to sell 2 million of these little guys. And we don't really see it necessary to design 30, 40 knives. Like, really, I think after this next knife, we're probably going to take a break from new product development within the knife segment for a minute and just focus on iteration, variation, and collaboration. Mm. That rhymed. Nice. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, um what do you feel i mean you kind of mentioned it but maybe a little bit more detail on this what do you feel sets your knives apart from other brands i.e why choose vezin yeah i mean for us like there's a ton of beautiful amazing knives in the market like it's almost insane like let's just say i owned one knife in 2017 but now i own over 300 knives and all of which are knives to be proud of owning and all of those knives are knives that I would consider carrying with me. So what makes us different, I think, really is, first off, just like every other premium knife company, we really embody the idea of longevity. But I think what really, really makes us different is we're targeting a customer that doesn't even know that that exists. Like, we're trying to create an experience for a customer who's bought a Walmart knife before for $22 and thought they bought something nice. And then, you know, 440C steel, blades dull, they blame the knife, they throw it away, whatever. Like we're trying to create an entire new customer segment. And what makes us different in that way is, yeah, then we become like a brand that is the first brand they experience at our level. Now, also what makes us extremely different is we really focus heavily on design. Um, Wesson is a very aesthetically pleasing brand. Like it's the apple of tech. We really focus on, you know, beautiful shapes. We have a design rules, like a design book that really follows like some very specific rules. And those rules are very simple. They're literally about shapes, contours, texture, and color. And so every knife that we make, there's literally like a strong similarity between them in very simple ways. And those things are what make us, you could literally own every single one of our products have them all within your keychain and they all feel like they belong together. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm very proud of is creating a community of products that, that, and each one doesn't cross over the next. Like I really feel like you can own them all. So it's very similar to being like an Apple customer. Like where you, I'm sitting here, I have my AirPods here. I have my Apple computer here, my iPhone sitting right here. I have an iPad sitting right there. Like, you know, I'm a part of that segment. And Weston is trying to embody that very similar approach where, you can literally be a Wesson customer and solve all your EDC needs, everything down to your leather Wesson wallet that has the same design aesthetics that we try to achieve in all our other segments. And then the last thing would be is we embody the idea of organic meets organic meets hard, like meets like, you know, I guess like metal or factory. So like all of our products, I would have to get up to grab them, but all of our products, we tried to tie a level of organics with them, with our leather sheaths and, that idea to me is unique. Like maybe somebody would disagree, but before we entered into the segment, there wasn't a thing for leather sheaths for folding knives because like you put them in your pocket with pocket, you know, but I wanted to expand that idea of doing like a sheath, like for a folding knife, because I just thought it was a bit more of an experience of bringing a natural material to these, you know, these metal, cold, rugged things. So that's another thing about us is like, we tried to tie the idea of organics. And then the last thing, the most unique thing, the thing that nobody else is doing in this segment is we have a heavy emphasis on environment. And this is a beautiful thing. Most steel, almost all steel within the knife segment is recycled, but like recycled steel. And that's literally done for a practical reason because like 
ore that's pulled out of the earth needs to be used for specific purposes. Like it'd be stupid to turn it into a knife steel. So most all steel is actually recycled. So we take pride in the fact that we created a product segment around all of our titanium, all of our blade steel is 100% recyclable, recycled and a recyclable. And even more so we create products that upcycle. We want to fix, replace and renew. And all of our packaging, all material we use, like everything down to the t-shirts that we print on, everything is made from recycled materials. Everything's made from like literally nothing is an original. Even the tabs, like we have a little tab on our box and it's made out of leather, which is waste leather from cut off of our leather sheaths. Um, we have like wooden shavings inside of all our boxes like that. All that wooden shavings is all waste from the factory that makes our boxes. We use that to actually use for like packaging our bags. They're all made out of like a canvas, which is also made from recycled canvas. So like everything about West stickers, we don't use any plastic. We use all like recycled everything we do. Now, the funny thing is, is we don't communicate this so well. Mm. Um, and we're working on that. So yeah, that's a big part of us. And I started this brand with the idea of like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to basically start to like, I'm going to compete with the throwaways and create like longevity and bring back. We always say this in the brand. It's one of our slogans is we can't claim being heritage just yet, but just give us time. And we'll be the next heritage brand because we're creating products that will last you a lifetime. And if they don't replace the screw, you'll be fine. Like <laughs> amazing. That was a great answer. Um, so, um, an interesting question. What do you think about countries that don't allow people to carry some knives, even pocket ones, especially EU countries? Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, I live in one. Well, people think, people think I live in one. So I live in Stockholm, Sweden, and there's fairly strict knife laws. And so like, for me, it was actually really funny opening an office here and kind of communicating the fact that I sell pocket knives. Like people are like, Oh, you're crazy. You sell murder weapons. I'm like, really weird uh, to be honest with you i think i'm actually not a big fan of it because i think it creates the wrong kind of dialogue like i really think that like you create a fear of mindset around something as simple as tools and i think that these tools really are, i think these tools, tools are beautiful i think that these tools have a purpose and i think the rules are really weird like i really think like the idea that this knife is illegal this little teeny knife is illegal and this knife right here is completely legal in some countries like is super weird to me that is weird. and it's simply due to locking mechanism opening mechanism like it's weird like this knife cannot sell in you know in canada but you know this knife can like it there's the rules aren't really like too solidified so i think it's kind of stupid in that way i understand why they do it because they're trying to solve problems with like blanket terms but in sweden there's a rule um if you go to the web the police website here there's a law that says that you are allowed to carry pocket knives this is literally the law the real law is worded like this it's you are allowed to carry pocket knives similar to a swiss army knife or other pocket knife type tools so what's the rule then you read below it it says but you are not allowed to carry any any tools that could be used as a weapon so the thing is is they really leave it open-ended for use case scenario so it's yeah. like in sweden if you get caught with this knife in a fight and you didn't even use it they can then charge you for you know assault yeah. with a deadly weapon but if you just carry it with you every day, it's completely legal. So most European countries have those kind of rules, these blanket rules, where pocket knives are actually completely legal. They just create a bit of like shaming towards it. Yeah. We have a ton of obsessive Western customers right here in Stockholm that come to our office every week and buy everything. And they carry this knife with them every day. And I'm sure the Swedish police would hate me for it. But you know what? I'll tell you what. I'm, 
I would love to supply more knives for more pockets in more European countries. So, yeah, no, I, I think it's same in the UK. I think people are, there's a lot of like misinformation spread um, because there's knife crime, but yeah, it's not the same thing. Yeah, it's not. I mean, that's the thing. We don't like, we really embody a culture around our products that like knife safety is a core thing of us and using our products the way we use them. I'm not going to lie. Like somebody buying a microblade, like it's just not the knife you're not going to buy our knives if if, you're, if that's your goal. Like, it's just yeah, not it's that like, segment. Like, you're not going to bring the microblade, are you? <laughs> no. I don't think, like, if this is your goal, like, I'm, I mean, really, I guess, like, like they say, size doesn't matter, but, I mean. In a knife fight, it, it probably does. <laughs> you're just like, all right, I'm going to take you on. I mean, less threatening. It could still do some damage, but. But yeah, I would just say like it's it, especially expanding into Europe like we have. It, it's been a little bit of like an annoyance on like how we communicate, but it's been fun. Like we've been able to kind of change the language around how we communicate and making knives more friendly and more acceptable. We haven't. We actually are doing something really fun with a with a brand. I could say it on this podcast because it's public ish. But P and Co, which is a a big UK based company, we're doing a, a very fun product that let's just say will make the micro blade a little bit more acceptable in the uk um okay it's a collab that we're that we've been working on for for a while now so awesome. this this knife will solidify a lot of wants and desires from a lot of our customers and we're doing it with one of our favorite brands so awesome. it'll be fun awesome and um, i'm gonna just try and do two more questions um, yeah, yeah. so what's your favorite product that you've that you've made um i guess that can be sentimental nostalgic or just one you use all the time yeah, I have been through four of these specific exact same design microblades mm. in the last, I don't know, eight months due to like, you know, one got taken in Spain, another one I lost like on the train. Like, so I think like this would probably be it because of how many of them I, I, I would say that I, I'll base my favorite on how many of them I lost because that means I'm using it like all the time. Yeah. And I'm most proud of it. Like this was the very first product I've ever designed, but still to this day, it stands like basically like you know it passed the test of time and now this is like iteration 15 if you think about the very first one we did like i made changes on it like all the time but yeah microblade would definitely be the one of my i guess for anyone listening to audio yeah it's microblade that's what i'm showing um but uh yeah the microblade would be one of my most proud and then i would say second would be um would be the, the cbr carabiner like i've seen things like this like in the market that were done you know from a different perspective and I wanted to embody a design that was like this, but do it in a way that like actually was practical. And so when I designed the, our carabiner, the CB, it was really, it was sort of a difficult um, product to, to develop, but this would be like probably one of my most favorite next to the microblade. But yeah, those two. And um, yeah, a few people have asked like sneak peek at next products, something exciting. Is there anything you can drop in? It's just a maybe wet people's appetites for what's coming up. Yeah. Uh, you know, what I have would be like, like would be more than a sneak peek. But okay. what I can say, like I'll, I'll grab something really quick and then I'll, okay. I'll just, just to show you a little bit of something. Okay. This, this was not rehearsed. This is like... Like I said, I'm gonna. This is for your viewers. So hey, for you audio listeners, you got to jump onto a, the. You got to get on the video to see it. But yeah. basically, if you look closely, I'm not going to show everything about this because there's some mechanical differences. You can see some colors here that might represent a material. Okay. In the form of of brass, but I don't want to give it away completely. 
And that might be a collab that's in the works. And if you can see the size, it might be very similar to a knife you call the microblade. And let's just say there's some mechanical differences on that. And I mentioned a little bit of it before, but that's, that's one of our next big product iterations. And then I would have to run all the way upstairs to show you the next thing. But let's just say you can write with it. And it okay. has some amazing, uh, amazing design takes on your traditional tool you would use to write. Let's just say that much. So I, okay. I, I would show you, but I'd have to run upstairs, grab it, and then like, <laughs> whatever, but... That's all, yeah. all good. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Like uh, exclusive to the EDC and Lock podcast. Appreciate it. Um, look, man, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I learned, even though we've been talking for a while. Sorry, like, Phil. My, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> my, dog? my dog. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, Noodle. All good. All good. Uh, no, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Really appreciate it. I learned so much more than I, I even knew today. So I uh, no, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we didn't get through all of the questions, but hopefully maybe one time we can come on again and uh, yeah, go through the rest of them. But really appreciate your time, man. No worries, Phil. This has been an honor. Honestly, feel free to hit me up anytime, dude. I would love to do it again. And like I said, let's do a collab soon. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Really means the world to us. And if you would like to show us any extra support so we can keep this podcast going, please follow, subscribe. And if you have any extra time, leave us a review. It really would mean the world to us. Thank you so much. Hey.